Hello, hello. Hello, and welcome back to the show, everyone. For those of you new to the show, you're listening to the Podcasting Guild, Babylon 5. I'm your host, Eric, and I'm joined today, as always, by my trusty sidekick, Andrew. Sidekick? Yeah, sidekick. Sidekick. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay. All the, all the action, none of the responsibility. Yes. You know, I wonder exactly. if people ever come to Robin and complain about how they handled... You know, yeah, you beat up my my brother. He wasn't even involved in the crime. He's like, oh, don't don't talk to me. Don't talk to big man. Yep, talk to talk Batman. To big man. I'm just I'm just the sidekick. So yeah, I'll take it. You are my veer to uh, my Londo. So there you go. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, you know what that means, listeners. Is any gripe you have with this show, including things I say. Uh, really direct your comments and vitriol to Eric, please. Uh, it is it is his responsibility. As the uh, ambassador for this program, I am uh, accepting that, but I will uh, pass my ambassadorial duties over to uh, Andrew I, going forward. I hope, don't give the home planets away. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're a better ambassador than the and the ones in this show are. Hey, yeah. while we're doing uh, pre, you know, before we get into it, I forgot to wish our listeners a happy Hanukkah last week, and today is still technically Hanukkah, but it's not going to be by the time this publishes. But anyway, happy happy Hanukkah to any of that celebrate it. And uh, I also wanted to call out uh, someone who is, as far as I'm concerned, our number one super fan, <laughs> and that is Patrick. And Patrick left a comment suggesting in the so sorry in our first episode we talked about these frictionless sheets that it was kind of a, just a throwaway line about how uh, uh, Commander Sinclair is going to get busy later with his lady friend. And I mentioned how inconvenient frictionless sheets would be for getting busy. And Patrick suggested false advertising. And I think that is a excellent suggestion. I think, I think that perfectly fits into the, you know, <laughs> the fiction of the universe. You know, why wouldn't there be false advertising, right? And of course it would be about some, some sci-fi stuff in space. But I have to say, you know, in this episode, we find out that Sinclair parts ways with that lady friend. Indeed. And I can't say I'm surprised if they're relying on gimmicky bullshit like this, you know, <laughs> to keep their love life, you know, keep that spark going, especially because they, you know, they were they lived apart. Right. They only yep. saw each other on weekends. I did the long distance things with my now wife, then girlfriend for a couple of years. You know, you didn't need no frictionless sheets. <laughs> right when you saw each other like if yeah. you guys weren't wild about seeing each other uh without some kind of you know anyway i I, sh- I should stop because you know <laughs> it's no shame in using you know any any kind of uh you know whatever you find fun but yeah if she's buying these these gimmicky you know marketing ploy nonsense uh frictionless sheets i'm not surprised it didn't work out between them yeah I'm not and, surprised and- to be honest, I think maybe Sinclair struggles with romantic relationships. I'll have a bit more commentary on that when we get to uh, this one uh, for this episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, I don't yeah. think he's we, most we healthy in that. No, no. Uh, yeah, I think he <laughs> I think he learned about women from like old film noir movies. I think so. <laughs> Relationships should all be like pithy one-liners about how what a long history you have together. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's yeah. get into it. Enough enough of the teaser. So this was according to HBO Max, which is the platform on which I uh watch these this was episode six whoa whoa whoa! you're not using the dvds i've loaned you five years ago to watch the show no i still have those (laughs) you should really take those back from me (laughs) yeah so to any of our listeners i'm not sure if we explained this before but um eric has been trying to get me to watch babylon 5 for the better part of a decade at this point and i think this podcast which which you're all listening to is his ploy to get me to finally do it and by the way can i just say i have only recently been made aware that anybody at all is listening to this uh so you know thanks for those of you that are and also i feel like there's a little bit of pressure you know i literally thought it was just the two of us chatting between ourselves but i guess if it was that why would we put it on spotify and all these other podcasting places you're right yes good point (laughs) 
Okay. All right. So thank you, thank you to our listeners. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah, you know, if you guys can't tell, we do these in the evenings when we were, you know, had a beer or two, maybe something else. So it's just it's real casual. I hope uh, hope you can forgive our mumbly rambly talking style here. <laughs> should we get into it, Eric? I think we should. I think we should. So let's jump right into it. Uh, the episode's titled "The Parliament of Dreams." It's a it's a it's a great title, I have to say. Yep. I'm not sure. I'm not sure this episode delivered on the promise of this great title. I have to say, I yeah. think this is, the, this is the first episode I'm not, you know, I'm not very bullish about. I'm a little mm-hmm. bearish on this episode, but we'll we'll get into it. We'll talk about it. Yeah. So we open up in the customs section of Babylon Five. This one has a few more security guards than the last customs. Uh, last time we saw customs on the previous episode, and Garibaldi is talking to a drowsy pilgrim who is trying to bring a weapon on board, which is a ceremonial knife. And he has a nice little commentary with him about how if he really wants it, he can uh, go outside and get it. If he is that determined, he'll let them keep it. You know, I know Garibaldi is this, you know, beloved character, right? But seriously, imagine if, you know, you were having your, your, your toothpaste taken from you going through the airport and the guy was just casually like, Oh, how about I throw it outside? And you know, you can, you can die for it, bitch. Like, <laughs> you know, it's a pretty, you know, Gar- Garibaldi's got that wry commentary, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty unprofessional. I have to say pretty unprofessional. And also again, what is he doing in customs? He's the head of security. They they established last episode. There's a quarter million people, yeah, beings. Maybe I don't know if you call aliens people. I don't know. On this station, you know, what is he doing? Checking checking people's pockets at security. <laughs> but you know, the guy said, "Oh, I'm on." You know, it's a sacred pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. And wait, what? A sacred pilgrimage to Babylon Five? What? Whose sacred pilgrimages go to Babylon 5? Well, it might have been a stopping off point, or maybe he was there for the uh, the week-long celebration. There are I suppose they are trying to give it that. airport vibes. So maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe it's like an airport terminal uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anyway, another opening in customs. I think this is like the third episode that they've opened in customs. I guess it's a good way to sort of showcase people coming and going yeah okay but the next scene is maybe my favorite because (laughs) we come into jakar in his quarters uh singing to himself yes and cooking a space pig head (laughs) like a pig head but it's it's yeah i don't know they made it look different uh and some space crawdads Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh he was feeling pretty sassy indeed (laughs) when the courier came in yeah. He was he was just giving him a lot of a lot of sarcasm, like a level of sarcastic response that like it takes more effort to do that than to just be annoyed and say OK, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, like anyway, I I'm doing this... a poor job of actually getting a synopsis <laughs> of what happened. So please help me fill fill in here, Eric. Yeah. And I think this is the first episode where Jakar plays more of a central role on um, previous episodes. He'd been kind of on the periphery. Um, but this one is more centralized on Jakar. Oh, yeah. Jakar was, you know, I actually couldn't tell the which one was the A plot and which one was the B plot. But mm-hmm. but Jakar was a full half of the plot arc of this episode. But the the one scene that Londo was in, I mean, he stole the show. Oh, totally. I mean, that when a, we get to it, like scene. he just stole the show. So. Yeah, you know, they gave Londo one scene, and as far as I'm concerned, this was Londo's episode, even yeah. though most of it was about Jakar. But I have to say, Jakar's plot arc was the one I liked the most. Mm. Uh, I was not such a fan of Sinclair's. Yeah. It wasn't good, and it wasn't so bad it's good either. You mm-hmm. know, it was just kind of like, okay, this is, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. But let's start with Jakar's opening scene here. So he receives a courier interrupting his meal who gives him you know a message you right. know, a future space message basically you know in space they, they don't just send emails in the future they like pass crystals around and stuff mm-hmm. uh, which i'm sure seemed really futury in 1995 
but it's basically just a flash drive right and i mean like yes how many times have you handed someone a flash drive in order to give them a message well i think in this one area it might make sense when it's potentially sensitive diplomatic information you might want to send it via courier rather than over email which as we all know is very unsecure okay you know fair enough fair enough uh you're right okay so he receives this courier who has a message and the message is basically hey it's me your old nemesis i'm about to die and Jakar's like, aha, good riddance. And you just know, you just know the other shoe's going to drop. <laughs> and I can't figure out why Jakar doesn't know the other shoe's going to drop. Because yeah. obviously your nemesis didn't just send you a video being like, hey, I'm about to die. Uh, <laughs> for no reason. And then he says, I've liquidated my assets and basically used them to hire an assassin to come kill you in two days. And I wanted you to know that uh, <laughs> because I want you to be afraid of it. An assassin, by the way, from our sister guild, the Assassin's Guild, because we are the podcasting guild. You know, oh, Assassin's yeah, right, guild, from the know. Assassin's Guild. <laughs> Gotta stick oh, together, guild members, God. you know, support each other. <laughs> I don't know. That, you know, I'm trying <laughs> to think if any of the, like, Morrowind or, or Oblivion, any of the Elder Scrolls game was out in 1995 probably an early one i didn't yeah, i, I, think I one didn't of the know early about them at was. the time but i wonder if the showrunners were fans because it has black hand mm-hmm. vibes all over it i guess assassins guilds have been a sort of an old historical trope although it turns out that you know the historical sort of examples that are given never really were that yeah you know like there's the ninjas and, and mm-hmm. you know those actually were just like guerrilla tactics by some mountain clans you know, basically yeah like o- oda nobunaga and then there's you know the hashashin you know guilds and i mm-hmm. actually don't know as much about them so i shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't just like pontificate but uh anyway assassin's guild classic trope Yep. I thought this was obviously great drama, full of tension right from the get-go. Like, is he yeah. even telling the truth? But as soon as his assistant was like, oh, he's probably lying, I was like, okay, mm. he's not lying. <laughs> you know, It's like the Scooby-Doo episodes where the first suspect, <laughs> the first person who seems like he's the ghost, isn't the ghost, right? Because you yeah. still have 10 minutes of, of episode to get through, right? So, right. yeah. Uh, a little genre savvy, as soon as she suggested that he was lying i was like oh, okay mm-hmm. it's real. a new assistant for jakar by the way oh i didn't actually clock that she yeah. has the same vibe like she's she's pretty stern rather mm-hmm. stoic yeah it's a running joke throughout the series that jakar's aid is constantly changing we'll, well see a different know, aid in the future <laughs> the truth is i mean i watched this again with my wife and she didn't even notice that the courier was the same as well i don't want to spoil too much but the you know at the end she didn't realize it was the same person and i think it's partly because the the makeup the narn makeup is so humans are are very good at recognizing are you saying human facial features and all all narn look the same yes i am they all look the same (laughs) all narn look the same that's very speciesist of you uh, yeah i can't help it you know (laughs) i have to say it's a bit speciesist like we don't see any praying mantis giant praying mantis automatons that aren't like criminals what's up with that bab <laughs> five fair. showrunners what's up that's with fair. that about a little more representation here anyway okay i'm, I'm getting oh 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 i have a note here i can't believe. Yep. uh when jakar was interrupted from starting his meal mm-hmm. was he about to cut something with a fork and knife no no was he about to sip a spoonful of soup no no he was coming at this pig's head with his mouth like mouth first mouth open hands down he was just going at it snout first yep the implication being he was about to just like you know consume like unhinges jaw or something yeah and eat it all so i thought that was funny uh he was like okay and i'll and i'll get my fork and knife ready and the director's like no 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 forget the fork and knife that's that you're not a human that's human shit yes uh just open your mouth as wide as you can and slowly approach it until you're interrupted <laughs> yeah that was good that was fun direction yeah i enjoyed that 
in the other part of the scene that I really, really enjoyed was at the end of the the message that his nemesis was giving him is like, mm-hmm. well, I'll be dead when you see this and soon you will too. There's this great zoom shot into Shakar's <laughs> into face and it's like, dun, dun. and I mean, this was what, 15 years before before that gopher meme and you know all those yeah. but it was exactly that right there mm-hmm. was the dramatic dun, dun, music behind it and it was just so perfect yeah uh so i'd love yeah that zoom shot was was a great great end of the scene i thought Any, anything you'd like to add eric to to the jacquard singing into himself and <laughs> You know, they were they were really generous with the time they gave to him, just like literally singing to himself and cooking mm-hmm. and tasting his meal. Like it was a little, uh, you know, day in the life of. Right. Yeah. It, it was a yeah. nice little, um, you know, you know, we're not every single moment of screen time has to move the plot along. It just like mm-hmm. sort of into jacquard's i feel you know jacquard is a lot like squidward i feel like <laughs> you know for anyone who watched spongebob squidward was of course the antagonist didn't really get along with spongebob but as you live and learn and grow up a little bit you start to you start to see things from squidward's point of view and you know i can't help but wonder if jacquard is gonna is gonna have that same kind of arc for me yeah what well, very well could be i i think you know one of the things with 90s tv just because of the length of the seasons and i think you've already highlighted that this is one of the maybe more mediocre episodes is that you end up with episodes like this that on the whole are filler right more or less but also within them have filler components and i think some of that extra screen time for jakar was filler but in this case it gave you a little bit of insight into his what it's like to be him and you know that is a, a great point that's a really good point. And and I do have to remind myself, you know, that's something I've mentioned a few times, like we're pretty spoiled as modern art audiences, you know, in a, yeah. in a post-Sopranos, post-Game of Thrones, like the production quality and the writing quality that we can come to expect mm-hmm. in, in media is just so leagues, leagues better <laughs> than it was when I was growing up. Yeah. Like when I was growing up, there wasn't such a thing as like good movies and bad movies. Like there were just movies. Mm-hmm. Like you went to watch movies and you know, like I never watched Ace Ventura and thought like, Oh, this is so juvenile. It's like, no, it was a movie you just watch it you know and now everyone's yeah. like picks apart every movie and, and uh, it's uh maybe i was like, just a kid so i didn't notice that and everyone did it all the time but um mm-hmm. yeah no it's a great point is that they had to put out what like two dozen episodes or something per yeah. season yeah i think it was between 22 and 26 episodes per season for most totally. tv series at the time well and you look at even the real gems from the era like cowboy bebop right mm-hmm. you know those are actually very short shows like how we be up i don't know what 30 episodes total less yeah. i think you know it might be 18 or something episodes mm-hmm. total and when you can edit down and sort of prune down the content to just the best stuff yeah i guess you're left with a much more tight set and then right you know, i remember right. of course i you know sitcoms and shows always had filler episodes mm-hmm. so yeah no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So, you know, having that filler allows it to breathe a little bit, but also it means that there's not a lot of action in this episode, right? I think this is the first episode where there's not a chase scene. Yeah. No, no, no guns, no chase. Well, no, that's not true. There was, there were, there was some version of a firearm. Yeah. But yeah, no chasing. Commander Sinclair didn't get to shoot at anybody down a hallway <laughs> or, you know, bust into a sleazy nightclub. And... Right. <laughs> I can't believe that scene. That was so ridiculous. Okay. But yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought the word filler episode, but as soon as you said I'm like, that's exactly what this is. This yeah. was. This probably would have gotten cut if they didn't, you know, if they had fewer episodes to deliver. Right. This probably would have been one of them on the chopping block. Yeah, because you know, even if you look at it with a fine-grained comb, there's very little in this episode that will be, you know, playing in the long term in terms of like the overall story arc, right? So this is got a couple components obviously the relationship with sinclair and his lady friend and the ambassadorial aides all showing up but other than that the episode itself is generally a filler episode but well, with that, i have let's... to say where yeah. oh, i'm sorry go ahead. 
No, I was so. just going to say we can get back into it. Yeah, I was going to say we're, we're 20, 23 minutes in and we're pretty much just through the opening episode. So you might have a little editing work on this one, Eric. We have a bit of filler ourselves. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who are we to judge? We have a bit of filler <laughs> ourselves, don't we? But okay, then this next scene is not filler. Uh, this next scene is no filler, all killer. <laughs> Some 41 fans, where are you at? Let's talk about it. So it's a basically a, a, a Centauri Republic holiday. Right. And it's Lando's only scene. Lando is like blind drunk. And I don't remember if it's him or it's a, it's his aide. I think the aide does all the exposition because yes. Lando's too drunk. Yeah. Basically explains it's a celebration of life. And then as they sort of tease out the details, it's like, oh, it's a celebration of life and like kind of a little bit of genocide. Yes, a little bit of genocide. A little bit of that too. But (laughs) it's, you know, I do love because this show kind of does do a lot of like offhand comments for world building sakes about Mm -hmm. things that you'd expect to elicit a reaction but don't. So I am glad that, that everyone kind of looked a little off put when they when you know when they were like oh yeah it was this species that we used to be at war with and oh do you know what the last one said before it died i'm like whoa yeah that's super tasteless okay anyway so yeah that that was londo i don't know i hope they don't make me feel bad about loving londo like they keep implying that that he's kind of a bastard but Mm -hmm. i hope they don't make it too too explicit about something too distasteful uh, i i, I want to like lando yeah this this scene goes a long ways to establishing him as again the the fun guy because he's there he it's gets, true lovable sleazeball i think is what you yeah. call them and i completely agree with that blackout drunk and he starts talking about how everyone's cute and oh then... my god that was so ah <laughs> oh, i love that i absolutely love that you know at my wedding, my brother got drunk and put his arm <laughs> around me and literally did the I, you know, I love you, man. You know, you know, classic yeah. getting drunk trope. I love that Lando was basically doing, you know, the, the space version <laughs> of this. Like, you know, who who all did he see? He told the commander he was cute. Oh, he told uh, Jakar's assistant that she's cute. Indolin, yeah. Indolin, which you know, I'm down for a Lando Indolin. you know love story and if any of our listeners want to write some fanfic send it my way i'm kidding don't do that so and 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 by the way he wasn't just saying you're cute lando was doing what my wife would call floor work (laughs) he was crawling on all floor on all floors on all fours on this table very sensually i would say like he was serving it he was he came He came to serve, and he yeah he was walk crawling on all floors. <laughs> I can't talk on all fours on this table, uh, you know, looking people in the eye, telling them they're cute. I think he said, "I'm cute" at one point. Yes, I, I, I me as in himself, not me as an Andrew. <laughs> but he's fabulous in purple. He's fabulous in purple. Which did he used to be an emperor? Or does what did he want to be an emperor? I don't well. If you notice, he wears purple a lot in his uniform. Oh, that's his, true. That, his jacket's typically purple. And then he passes out. And, you know, I have to say this, this you know, this reminds me of like college days where everyone's yes. sort of watching uh, people with like crippling drinking problems. <laughs> and just like, oh, oh, he's at one with himself. Uh, no, I think he's passed out. Yeah, that too. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, and then, you know, a few years later, you look back on that and you're like, wow, that. That was pretty bad when you mm-hmm. think about it. Yeah. yeah. That's how I felt about that scene. You know, I think Londo might... Londo definitely has a problem. In fact, this is not the first episode in which Londo getting absolutely blitzed yep. is like part of the, you know, part of his characterization. Do, do they address this? I have to ask. Do, do they eventually have an episode where Londo has an intervention or, or they're like, yeah, yeah, he's an alcoholic. He misses meetings. Because he's sleeping in with, you know, women that he met at the club. (laughs) They do have commentary on that. And actually in the later seasons, they actually go into alcoholism with a different character and actually have a fairly sympathetic portrayal of alcoholism and kind of what it does to people. So it'll be interesting to see what your reaction is to that. But they do talk about 
Londo as well from that standpoint, although they don't dig into it as deeply as they do later on in the series. Interesting, interesting. Well, yeah, I'll look forward to that. Anyway, still loved him. I still thought, like I said, this scene, I thought, stole the whole episode. I mean, Londo yeah. was... I wish I could see the outtakes. Or did he do this in one take? I mean, it was just an you know incredible performance. So yeah. a lot of energy. <laughs> he spent hours in the makeup chair getting ready just for like a 30-second scene. And he, yeah, he exactly. totally blew it away. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they probably paid overtime for their makeup team on this episode. There yeah. were so many Narns. Jakar was in like the whole episode. There were he had two other Narns. I mean, each one of those just looks like like a day and a half to put that makeup on and off. <laughs> yeah. And then we got to the part I wasn't crazy about, which is <laughs> Sinclair and his ex. Oh man. Um, this who doesn't uh, love awkward chats with your ex in space. Space. In space. space. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have to say they successfully made the awkward chat awkward. Yes. It felt awkward. It was like an episode <laughs> of The Office. Yes. Uncomfortable. Like and I have to say the dialogue was some of the I you know, it was it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad dialogue. It was like, hi, you know, person I've known a long time. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about our time together in a very expositiony way. <laughs> you know, telling each other things that well, if the, if if what you're saying is true, you wouldn't have to tell them that, would you? You right. both already know it. You know, I wish I wish they had followed the show don't tell mm-hmm. in this episode. I think that's what bugged me most about the this sort of getting back with this X plot arc is that they kept telling us, oh, our history is so bumpy and oh, this is how we are together and oh, this is how it all but they never show us that. They never right. like they're just you know, they just keep saying it. And at least for me it didn't it didn't I don't know. I didn't buy it. It didn't set up enough tension for me to actually be invested in what happened yeah. with them, you know? Yeah, and um, I think later on in the episode, you see it starts to feel very much like a soap opera. <laughs> and the acting along with soap opera is that kind of like, don't touch me unless you mean it. <laughs> oh my God, yes. I, I wrote that down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh man. Yeah. Yeah, super like super cornbread lines, like straight out of the the you know those old classic film noirs, which mm. it's become like a trope that you know the transatlantic accent, like nobody talked that way when yeah. it was in those movies, and nobody talks <laughs> that way when it's in this show. It's it, so, yeah, it, yeah, very corny, very like, I don't know, I don't know, I just. It, they didn't do a good enough job for me to set up why they are, you know, experiencing such internal tension about will they, won't they? Yeah. You know, they try to just say it like, oh, it always happens with us every three or four years. You know, this it's like, well, I don't know. I know people who are single and like, you know, hook up with the same person every few years. It doesn't tear them apart. Like, right. Yeah, I, I, I just didn't buy it. The, the conversations, show don't tell, guys. Show don't tell. Listen, mm-hmm. showrunners, I know you're looking for notes almost 30 years later here, or yes. whatever, 20 years later. <laughs> I know you're, I know, I know you're looking for notes on your show. Show don't tell. Show don't tell. You know, you tried to just have this conversation that brought us all on board with how complex their relationship was it was the it was the equivalent of of it's complicated on facebook right and you know and you expecting that to do all the heavy lifting Mm -hmm. that was basically what that was yeah don't even get me started on how they definitely need couples therapy if they're getting back together every three years and no kidding they really (laughs) do i mean yeah i have to say from just a sort of a relationship standpoint they do seem to be talking past each other a lot Mm -hmm. You know, and fair enough, that's the what exposition is, right? It's for our benefit, not theirs. But, like, there wasn't a lot of, you know, well, what are you looking for in a relationship? And, yeah. and you know, listening. There was none of that. It was all <laughs> just sort of lamenting how it, how complicated their relationship is uh, before we get to the inevitable, uh, you know, romance and Andy Panson, as it mm-hmm. was. Yeah. They definitely need, a, need hope there. And the fact that they're breaking up and getting back together constantly – I think demonstrates that maybe Captain Sinclair isn't a good match for her. They need to uh, 
just go their separate ways. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with that. Fundamental in, in differences. general, I am not against, uh, you know, romantic plot arcs. Oh, yeah. Um, but I just didn't think this one held its weight. I, I didn't think... Every time we cut to this, I was sad we weren't watching yeah. Jakar's, you know, assassination plot. Agree. And I think the romantic stuff, fortunately, is, is few and far between within this series. Um, there is one kind of major romantic relationship that shows up later on. But other than that, it's all about everything else, the politics, the drama and stuff like that stays totally. steers pretty totally. clear of this. And I think maybe the showrunner learned from that this episode <laughs> and didn't incorporate a lot more of Sinclair's relationship with Sakai going forward. She does make reappearances in a couple episodes, but they don't spend a lot of time dwelling on, which I think is a good thing based on this episode. Well, good. That's good. You know, I, I do understand that you need to give your characters room to grow so that they can have, you know, this uh, development. Uh, or mm-hmm. if you want them to develop, you have that option. But it is, you know, why are these gray-haired, you know, mature figures so immature in certain aspects you know so <laughs> unsure about their love lives and so right. unconfident about things that you'd you'd think people would have a, a little more you know i think admiral adonis from um uh, oh my god uh, 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 help me out here <laughs> i'm just gonna hang out there for a little galactica bit. right no, yeah Balsar galactica Bagdal star galactica thank you i, I yeah I, my memory's <laughs> terrible He's a great example where where they didn't try to have him be an action hero and you know a uh, romantic comedy not romantic comedy but you know <laughs> you know they didn't try to sort of make him play all the leading man roles they could right uh, they had other action heroes and they had other sort of love interests and I just feel like they're trying to make Sinclair fulfill all the leading man roles on Babylon Five yeah and. Yeah, I don't think they all play nice together, especially with their their characterization of him as this sort of guy who's seen a lot and has been through a lot and is, you know, great. Probably suffering from PTSD from the war. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I guess I had the same comment about Londo's episode where Mm -hmm. he's acting like a teenager. And at the end of the episode, he's like, oh, I've been, my heart's been broken before. I'm an old man. I've been through it. It's like, well you weren't you know you were like skipping class to lounge in bed like that doesn't right. really seem uh seem like you've seen it all and anyway so i'll i'll get off my rant here <laughs> i said my bit but yeah not not a huge fan of the awkward chats with exes yes plot arc in this one i did like paranoid jakar and i was hoping we were gonna get more paranoid jakar like i was a little disappointed that he sort of suspected his assistant Mm-hmm. and then that was it and then she was kind of his sidekick for the rest of the episode i was sort of hoping that he would like tear through his staff and like mm-hmm. everyone who who you know showed up to help him he was just like oh and you're the assassin are you and I, I, that, that's what i thought they were going i was looking forward to it i thought that would be great but yeah. um i thought his new assistant i'm i'm sad to hear that he goes through a few more because i liked her i thought she was a great Mm-hmm. a great counterbalance to him you know the irreverence that she treated him with worked well because he's such a jerk you know <laughs> yeah. I, i've made fun of the fact before that all these ambassadors and all these people who are supposedly like the big important big men on campus like nobody gives them an ounce of respect but in this case i actually i actually liked it i thought that made their dynamic pretty fun yeah and it, it's funny how close they got through the episode right it's like she just got there and then yeah they're like buddies and slapping each other on the back at the end and you know this this episode like you know for for any of our fans that have watched game of thrones like it kind of gave me a little jamie lannister vibes about Mm -hmm. jakar where they he does some pretty you know heinous things at the beginning and he's an antagonist but then the more you know screen time you get from his perspective the more sympathetic he becomes and maybe even gets redeemed at some point maybe even gets redeemed although again you know like when you try to murder a child it does (laughs) yeah it's hard to overcome that (laughs) yeah yeah let's not forget that he did you know cripple a child at the yeah we're sorry so this is jamie lannister we're talking about not (laughs) uh not um jakar 
Well, another thing that you notice is that all the ambassadors have like skeletons in their closet. Jakar talks about, oh, he doesn't want to involve the Earthers because of, you know, stuff might come out that will affect national security. And then when yeah. Delenn's aide shows up, Lanier, she's saying the same thing about, hey, don't bring up the Grey Council. I don't want people to know about that. So it seems like all the ambassadors that have been sent there maybe not the best choice is just for the fact that they have so many skeletons in their closet. You know, I completely agree with you on that. And it's something where I'm assuming that they're, you know, of course they need to each have these shadowy backstories that they can use as fuel for, you know, the plot arcs that these characters go through. So I get that. But I mean, you're absolutely right. It's, you know, all of them have these, it almost, it's a, it's a little tired. It feels like they're running out of ideas, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Londo had a whole episode where he was he had this blackmail information that people were going to get and destroy his family and you know Jakar hints at a very similar issue here and the uh, the um, Minbari ambassador is, has a very similar you know <laughs> thing so yeah it's, it just it does feel like everyone has the same the same issue really with with you know having secret information that would bring yeah. them down when, when discovered seems like you wouldn't want someone in a position of power that could be so easily swayed like that if like something comes out right i don't know just kind of funny that it's true well and it, and it again goes to this kind of dichotomy that this show has where it sort of oscillates between political center mm-hmm. you know of, of the galaxy or whatever where all these empires are watching with a very close eye what happens and the slightest misstep means war fleets suddenly appear uh and like a backwater where people sort of you know can get away with kind of juvenile behavior and there's right. you know these you know misty corridors with crime <laughs> mantises and by the way how steamy those those crimey corridors are like these the space stations are a closed system mm-hmm. right you can't just pump steam out you know like a fog machine in a theater and expect <laughs> it to gradually dissipate where is it gonna go where well, is think... it gonna go you're gonna be standing in six inches of water <laughs> after like a day of that level of steam coming out of pipes and whatnot i think in the case of the praying mantis the guy needs the steam because he's a tropical insect person Maybe that's helpful. So he's just doing all this crime out of his own private domicile. Yeah, basically. He's like, I don't get it, man. <laughs> I also think that they do as a visual trick to distinguish the quote-unquote alien sector from the rest of the station. Because in the alien sector, that's where the humans need the breathing apparatuses to to survive. So I think they're trying to use that to distinguish oh, it a oh, bit oh, more. Oh, oh. You know, that actually makes sense. Yeah, because of course you can't see... methane you know yeah that sort of Um, thing yeah you know that's a great point that's a great point uh i have to say though you know again i know the visual effect is important but like that's a lot of (laughs) you know atmosphere flow like how much does that mantis breathe that it needs this you know you know a massive amount of whatever that chemical is coming in all Mm -hmm. the time yeah Uh, but you know you make a good point eric i hadn't considered that but yeah, you know, you know, moisture accumulation was a huge problem. Maybe still is. I don't know. On on uh, like the the Apollo the missions station. and the space yeah. station. Yeah, especially because it's cold, so like your breath can condense on. I might have learned this from Apollo thirteen. <laughs> Tom Hanks probably taught me all this. So yes, <laughs> for what that's worth. Okay, all right. Moving along here, we got it. You got you have your editing work cut out for you on this one. We're forty five minutes. <laughs> Uh, chatting yeah. here we're like barely halfway through the episode so okay Bari ambassador also gets a sidekick yeah so we we're just talking yep. about her secrets she gets a sidekick and i thought they did an excellent job of shoving a lot of world building into mm. it without just saying it they th- this was a good example of show don't tell when yeah when her assistant comes up and won't even look at her and she has to like convince him to look at her because apparently you know 
And Custom. again, the more I learn yeah. about these societies, the more I really don't like them. Like you're not allowed to <laughs> look at your betters in Mumbai society. Yeah. You know, the Centauri Republic has slavery. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, I'm not here for it. I don't like it. Uh, anyway. Uh, and then, you know, she of course uh, tells him, don't tell anybody I'm on the great council. Of course she says this very loud, like in a, in a public hallway. area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's not acting like it's a secret that could bring down her, you mm-hmm. know, for whatever but i i love that you know i love the symmetry everyone gets a sidekick yep so we'll see the minbari sidekick did not seem as fun as uh space newman uh veer yeah the, the assistant to uh, the, Lando, i think Lando. going forward the minbari sidekick kind of plays the fish out of water role a lot of the episodes because as you see he's like been very insulated in his upbringing right so this is all new to him being around other people and stuff like that you know that is a a very useful thing to have because uh you know it gives you someone to explain everything to when when everyone Mm -hmm. is supposed to be like an expert in the world in which they live it makes it kind of unnatural to be explaining things to somebody it's like wait did that haven't you lived on bab (laughs) five for 30 years why do you need to know or yeah wouldn't you know how this works anyway Mm -hmm. let's see a uh, lot of exposition over dinner. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just yeah. Sinclair and his uh, his gal pal go on a date and just have the, the corniest conversation I think I've heard in this show yet. <laughs> yeah, it's all just oh you know every three years we get together and we you know talk about your families and then we yeah. go to bed and well, we can't do it again and then of course they do it again. Seems like know. an unhealthy codependent relationship. It, I mean, it does. I don't know about codependent, like if they only see each other every three years, but maybe you're right. Yeah, rather unhealthy. Like, guys, just communicate. Just yeah. communicate. Like, like Seriously. you're allowed to need things out of a relationship, and it's okay to out loud articulate those mm. needs to your partner and ask that <laughs> they meet them. Or, you know, like they were not modeling healthy, yes. healthy relationships. Everything was implied with them. No, no direct communication about what they need or what they want. And yeah. Exactly, exactly. It felt like they were using sex as a crutch, mm-hmm. you know, to paper over these issues. Like, that's not a healthy way to move forward. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to the podcasting guild for relationship advice. <laughs> so, guys, Eric and I are um, unlicensed and unadvisedly we are, <laughs> we are relationship therapists. So do come to us. Yes. With any of your relationship needs. Uh, the answer is always then, communicate. <laughs> the answer is always communicate. And look, if you need to spice things up, I've heard frictionless sheets can really can really turn, uh, you know, reignite that spark, <laughs> that spark in the bedroom. Just don't get the ones that are falsely advertised. You got to get the, the authentic stuff. Got to get the real stuff. Well, be careful with the authentic stuff because if they're actually frictionless you're gonna have a bad time i'm just you're gonna have a bad time you don't realize how much you depend on friction <laughs> so i'm gonna Very leave true. it at that we'll leave it at that also oh, i want to know oh, that uh sorry go 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 ahead Eric. Go i was ahead, just gonna Eric. say i want to note that i think fresher might be the only restaurant on babylon 5 considering every important dinner happens there it seems like yeah i think you're right i think you're right <laughs> um you know, I would have loved to see some like, you know, space celebrity chef, you know, yeah. like, you know, Bobby Flay's fresh air, right? Like it would have been mm-hmm. fun if they had a, uh, oh, what was, what was the one in Futurama's name? He's the one who got the spice weasel. Look, guys, I got a lot of, you, you can probably guess exactly what year I was born if you just pay attention to all of the <laughs> like TV references I make, you'll, you'll figure it out. So okay, all right. We got we we got through the stupid dinner. Uh, there was a ceremony scene, a Mimbari ceremony scene, where they all eat weird space strawberries. And I only brought this up because other it, it was a pretty I don't know, pretty nothing scene otherwise. Yeah. But at the end of it, somebody mentions, "Oh, that was a wedding ceremony. Somebody got married." And all I could think of was that episode of Firefly. Uh, for those of you who watched Firefly, there's an episode where, where they play on that trope. And I wonder, because this predates Firefly for, mm-hmm. for at least a decade. Uh, yeah. 
you know, do you, did Joss Whedon watch Bab Five? Did he get, or is this, or is this a trope that's more common than I know? Is the sort of you attend a ceremony you don't <laughs> understand, and whoops, you married, you married a local. Like maybe yeah. that's a more common uh, uh, arc than that I realized. <laughs> but anyway, I thought that was cute. Yeah, and Dylan was very central when she ate that fruit too. It's like, what's going on there? <laughs> oh, Dylan was given those. FMIs. She was giving <laughs> yeah. them, yeah, those smoky, like, oh, I was feeling it. And, like, uh, you know, Londo tells her she's cute, you know, in this <laughs> one scene where he's passing out on the table. And, you know, when she, with those lips and that, that smile, you know, I can, I can see it. I can yep. see it. Uh, yeah. What's, uh, okay, all right. Anyway, so that scene wasn't much. We shouldn't dwell on it. The next scene, though, I, loved because it came back on jakar's quarters as he re- as he's returning from the ceremony and it yeah. has an assistant cold blooded cold as ice what's cooler than being cool being jakar's assistant because she's just <laughs> sitting in this room and and he comes back and he's like where was my bodyguard and she's like oh him oh he's right <laughs> over there and jakar goes up to this you know wide-eyed bodyguard and starts berating him before he slumps forward, murdered, you know, by the black hand, yeah. by the assassin's guild. And before before Jakar entered this room, his assistant was just chilling there with this body. Mm-hmm. What do you think she was doing? Do you think she was talking to him? She was twiddling <laughs> her thumbs like cold as ice. Yeah, this woman is not to be messed with or, you know, woman, whatever you call lady, lady Narns, <laughs> Narninas. And, uh, you know, when he calls Garibaldi to come investigate, again, Garibaldi, like, given a lot of lip, not <laughs> a lot of emotional support for somebody who found a dead body in their room, not a lot of, you know, even if Garibaldi suspects him, what kind of, you know, interrogation is being, you know, being so obviously suspicious like that? What is that mm-hmm. going to accomplish? Well, but I do agree that hot pink is Jakar's color. Yeah, hot pink is definitely his color. <laughs> I love the the dichotomy, though. You know, we saw Lando a couple episodes just, like, you know, getting everybody to gather around, come come look at this, you know, hot piece of ass I've been working mm-hmm. on. And meanwhile, Jakar, like, every implication Garibaldi gives, you know, he finds these panties in Jakar's quarters, and it's like, oh, these yours? And Jakar's just, like, beside himself. He's like, what? You know, you can only imagine Lando would have been like, ah, they're not mine, you know what I mean, what's <laughs> up? You know, just like, yeah. Anyway, so I love the dichotomy, yeah. you know, the, the difference there between between those two. Mm-hmm. Anything to add, Eric? Like, once again, I feel like I, you know, I wonder if we counted the number of words each of us <laughs> say. I really do feel like I monopolize. The, the, the no, it's, it's all good. I have much more direct and poignant commentary where you provide kind of the more breadth and scope of, of the larger breadth and scope story. So there you go. Yeah, stream of consciousness, I think is what it's <laughs> called. Stream of consciousness, yeah. unfiltered. I did like the, uh, the other commentary about, I think Natatha actually said it earlier where she was like, it's not my place to comment on how things get in your bed when he discovers the flower the first time. Oh yeah. That was, I mean, that was an excellence. What are the kids calling it nowadays? Uh, uh, that was a clap back. That's yeah. what that was. She, you know, and again, when it's one character, it's fun, you know, to have her yeah. sort of given, given a little bit of shit to her boss. Uh, but <laughs> nobody ever gives any of these ambassadors any respect mm-hmm. and that's a little jarring but no i did actually i loved her i loved how sassy she was yeah i like how sassy that natoth character is so and by the way fun. she she gave him this line when the thing he found in bed is a black rose from the assassin's guild basically right. you know <laughs> a severed horse head right is, yeah. is the message and that again that is a cold-blooded line <laughs> it's like hey you know, person who works closely with me somebody managed to get a death threat into my mm-hmm. bed while i was sleeping there i'd love it if you had some kind of comment on this and they just were like oh oh i don't worry about what's in your bed bitch like what <laughs> what do you have to say like dude dude someone's trying to kill him like we have established yeah. at this point that there's an actual assassin after him 
uh, and all you got is these are these sassy comments to offer. <laughs> yeah, the sassy commentary is the best. And then uh, from there, we go back into our favorite plot of the uh, series so far, the love story oh, yeah. uh, with oh, yeah. Sinclair and Catherine Sakai. Yeah, the, you know, very. This, is this where they're finally in their in their in the when room she together? visits the him in his quarters after she gets the windfall deal oh yeah him. yeah oh, that's right so just before this she's told oh you know apparently she's the surveying of some kind the the planet you surveyed had uh, some windfall on it some valuable resource and i wrote this down because i'm like well wait a minute if she surveyed it why do you need to tell her about it shouldn't she be telling you isn't that what you would hire the surveyor for yeah so yeah that part did yeah <laughs> but okay all right she's entitled to a huge windfall and you know look i ain't saying sinclair is a gold digger but he ain't messing with no broke ladies like she comes back uh you know after this windfall and you know i guess i guess he he plays hard to get he tries to push her away but uh you know i'm not sure it's a coincidence that she hits the big time and suddenly he's uh you know shacking up with her again yeah yeah i don't know i don't know yeah but but the scene the scene in general in the bedroom uh with sinclair and his lady friend i just it was it was just (laughs) cornbread you know i just don't know anything anymore okay not a fan I don't know. I don't have much to say about. It. Do you have Do you have comments, or should we move on? Just that he was listening to Tennyson's Ulysses. You know, you got to put that in there so he sounds smart. <laughs> yeah. How do we make him sound smart? Yeah. Oh man, I didn't cl- actually clock what it was. Although mm-hmm. I, she she said what it was. I admit I had a rather rowdy puppy uh, with me <laughs> while I watched this, and so I did. I didn't catch everything. But then we go into a scene with jakar he you know in the effort to find who who's going to kill him he basically wants to know who sent the courier and so he has, has his assistant go get the courier and then you know he like shoves him against the wall and starts you know, who sent you and who blah 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 and the courier says at the end the danger is closer than you think <laughs> and then the next scene jakar we think he's alone but no it turns out the courier's still there and jakar just has his back to him and i'm like this dude went to the customs room school of self-defense mm-hmm. which is with you know if you have any suspicions just turn your back on the only person you're with <laughs> what could go wrong yeah what could go wrong maybe voice your suspicions out loud just so they know that they have to act or they'll be caught and then yeah. turn your back on them dude you know someone is here to kill you mm-hmm. why are you turning your back on people you just met what are you doing have him leave the room and then make your zoom call yes you know yeah so that part was was very much i don't know if any of our listeners uh have been to tv tropes if you like this kind of you know talking about the 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 sort of you know funny things that show up in shows uh if you like that kind of stuff and you haven't wasted an afternoon on tv tropes you haven't really lived i i highly recommend tv tropes to anyone we're talking with because one trope that i learned from that site that came up in this is the is the idiot ball it's when certain aspects of the plot don't work unless one of the character just acts like an idiot and for jakar this guy who says oh i've survived two other assassinations i survived the civil war like oh he's a careful and pragmatic guy like i mean really really turning your back on the courier that delivered a death threat like man if it occurred to me that this guy could have been the assassin how did it not occur to the guy whose life was in danger yeah yeah i even wrote down yeah custom style yeah you know him and that customs agent definitely attended the same the same security training yes i think that's very much the case what kind of uh got me though was that he got shot in the back with his stun gun while he was on the phone with someone and the person on the phone didn't do anything they you know, didn't want great point. They didn't call anyone that's or say a great anything. point they they watched this happen <laughs> and i'm pretty sure that thread is dropped never to be picked up yes <laughs> it's it had the same vibes as the nightclub scene where they where they roll that nat 20 bluff <laughs> check yeah <laughs> and then they walk five feet away from the people they just bluffed and and all is forgotten they immediately drop the act and nobody asks any questions he must yeah. have had an invisibility spell or something yeah something 
something. <laughs> okay, so so the assassin who was the courier, and like I said, my wife actually, at the end of the episode, she's like, wait, so who is, who is the assassin? I was like, are you kidding? It was the courier. She couldn't tell that they were the same person. Uh, which, you, you guys, know, you guys. It, it, yeah, all, all Narns look alike. Fight me. Uh, so anyway, he, he captures this, and he puts him in a very, okay, 1995. When did Princess Bride come out? It's like I the mid '80s, I think. Mid '80s. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so that did. Pre- I mean, it, this had very, this had Princess Vi- uh, Bride vibes for sure, where, you know, they. I oh, I've hooked you up to a pain machine. Yes. And when I turn it to eleven, you'll die. You know. So <laughs> the assassin captures Jakar, and puts him in, uh, you know, this great piece of kit. That you know just shocks them, and you know, you know, it's a it's a PG torture machine, right? We're gonna torture you, but but this is on cable TV, so we have to no uh, blood. We have to do it with CGI lightning, yeah. Yeah. Space lightning. (laughs) Space lightning. Yep, yep, yep. Ask the emperor about it. (laughs) And of course, after it shocks him with them the first time, he goes on to explain what it is, and he says, "Oh, and you'll experience pain such as you cannot conceive." It's like, dude, you just shocked him literally yeah. two seconds ago <laughs> like i'm unless he has the memory of a goldfish i'm pretty sure he can conceive of it <laughs> yeah so that scene you know again not not my favorite episode i mean they're they've all been a little corny i just found the the, the writing just felt a little lazy in this one a lot mm-hmm. of tropes were trotted out that i've seen a lot uh, you know many times before yeah so yeah okay he's torturing him with the uh with i i'll, I'll shock you to death machine and then his assistant comes in and is like, oh, you finally caught him. Well, I'm the other assassin that the guild <laughs> sent to make sure you did the job right. And I'm glad the, the first assassin was like not quite sure if he should believe her or was like, you're full of shit. I've never heard of yeah. this because even I didn't find her delivery <laughs> all that convincing. And uh, I did enjoy that she, she started kicking him, though. <laughs> Because she was like, oh, what, what is this barbaric method of execution? And he's like, well, what would you suggest? And she just starts kicking him. And I'm yeah. like, oh, we have so much more sophisticated. <laughs> now, it was a ruse. It was a ruse. I'll give you that. But he kind of gave her this nod like, oh, not bad. I didn't <laughs> think I never considered just kicking him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought he should have... Uh, you know, well, anyway, it was good that he didn't buy her act because it wouldn't have been believable for him to for him to yeah. believe her. You know, yeah. And then, of course, yeah, it turns out she was kicking him to break the device that he was wearing, mm-hmm. um, which you know they just don't make torture harnesses like they <laughs> used to. I swear. And uh, you know, it 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 works like a charm uh, because after he's about to shoot her for being obviously a fake assassin. Mm-hmm like you know real recognizes real like this dude's been in the game who knows how long he can tell that she's bluffing obviously i don't know what she was thinking <laughs> anyway so he's about to he's about to shoot her and uh that's when jakar just just sidelines him you know comes in blindsides him that's what i'm that's what <laughs> blindsides him and then and then he and his assistant are just best pals and i'm here for it the camaraderie i yeah. i you know i'm just a sucker for for you know building camaraderie and and movies and shows yeah i i love it getting the gang together i love those kinds of products anyway anyway off topic i just loved how much they were just like yeah arms around each other's shoulders and and they continued the proud babylon 5 tradition of ending the episode by explaining the rather convoluted <laughs> plan that they all that they put into motion off screen yeah you know and maybe it's true and maybe it's not but like you know commander sinclair told jakar about the tracking device that he ate mm-hmm. you know and uh you know anyway yeah the babylon 5 is this great tradition of oh b- while you were passed out uh, i fucked your dog <laughs> <laughs> take that you know like uh anyway yeah but i did like that last scene with jakar and natoth where they're seeing the uh the assassin off they're just like buddy cops at that point like hey have a nice time yeah buddy cops that's exactly right yeah yeah i love the camaraderie Mm -hmm. um yeah anything to add before we get to the final scene which i have a few things to say about that (laughs) (laughs) no i think that 
by far the Jakar Natoth plot was far and away better than the Sinclair and yeah, Catherine. I agree. I, I, I completely agree. Definitely a filler episode. You know, being having someone try to murder you is just naturally a more compelling premise than mm-hmm. oh your ex is back in town um <laughs> but, i mean they they could have yeah. made it more compelling in no that's what few i'm saying I'm, ways, not, you know? I'm not against romance you know i'm not some like you, you know any second spent on people talking about their feelings like is wasted that's not the kind of guy i am i'm i'm down for good romantic plots i just felt like this one was so so lazily written i don't know yeah i just i didn't enjoy it agree but uh the jakar plot b plus it was pretty good mm-hmm. and okay so the final scene of the movie and uh depending on how much editing eric does thank you guys for sticking with us we're like an hour and 10 minutes into this so uh, <laughs> we do appreciate it but the final scene of the, the show i found a little bit a little bit weird uh mm-hmm. so so the background of this episode was oh there's all these cultural festivals going on right the dominant cultural beliefs of each planet is being represented and then sinclair is like oh and well i wanted to show you the dominant cultural beliefs of earth mm-hmm. and he's like well here's you know bob bob's an atheist and here's yeah. you know joseph he's an orthodox jew and mm-hmm. here's whatever he's a christian and then they and they pan out and the line just goes and goes and goes and goes <laughs> and goes yeah and i'm just like what is what this is so impractical like <laughs> what did Sinc- was sinclair just like walking around through babylon 5 like oh my god a jew a jew i got one okay you hey you come with me i got a line you gotta stand in great okay all right we'll keep an eye out for an atheist like yes how do you you know like (laughs) okay what am i doing here shut up stand in the line just stand in the line listen okay we'll be back i get that they were trying to make a point like oh there's many many cultural traditions on earth and it's absolutely true but it's like guys you're the ones that wrote all these other cultures to be monolithic Mm -hmm. like yeah like you could have had a million Mimbari cultural, right. you know, yeah. references. You wrote it to not be that way. So, you know, like what what's with this uh Sinclair Duncan on everyone <laughs> at the end bit? You know? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I appreciate the thought of it as well as like showing that Earth is not this monolith that we have yeah. all this oh, variety I'm, and stuff, but the execution completely. was really bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, to be clear, I am I'm absolutely not like this, you know, PC culture gone too far type of people. Like, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Earth is a, is a, you know, many colored spectrum of, of right. diversity and that it's awesome to celebrate that. But this was just such a ham fisted <laughs> attempt at that, that, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I found myself laughing at what I think was not supposed to be a punchline. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do wish that, they gave some more of that granularity to the other major races, at yeah, least, if exactly. not the other races, right? Because to your point, all the others are very monolithic. Like, you know, the Mimbari have, this is just their one ceremony. This is the yeah, Centauri's totally. one ceremony. And it's it's a really lazy trope in sci-fi that... Yeah, all sci-fi really it, does it. They do. It's, oh, this is this is the desert. I mean, Dune does it. The desert planet, right? Yeah. This is the jungle planet, right? Star Wars you know is another good example where every planet is is one thing well the one example we know of of a planet that has life on it is is all those things but you never yes. really see that uh, in sci-fi so i don't know and yeah that, it you know it's an easy shorthand it helps the audience obviously to relate that hey these guys are the warrior race these guys are the logical race you know those sorts of things but i think something is lost in in that and i Babylon 5 yeah. tries to have a bit more granularity, but it still struggles with the alien side of things. The human side definitely has that granularity built into it, but the aliens still struggle with that, uh, I think, in here. No, I completely agree. And and I kind of get it. Like, you see the same in, in you know, D&D and role-playing games where, where, like, you know, the elves have are more agile and the orcs are stronger or whatever, but the humans are versatile, right? And, and right. you know... You know, humanity is always a more of a blank slate, uh, and I understand why they do that, right? But I, I, I wish we'd see some representations of humans as as well compared to these other species. You know, 
you are the brutes or you are the yeah you know the delicate thinky types but we never get that it's humans are always a middle ground and mm-hmm. the other sort of alien species always represent some aspect of humanity sort right. of exaggerated yeah it'd, it'd be interesting if if there were more sort of out there actually alien characterizations that you know by comparison humanity looked different or, or took on a different mm-hmm. light anyway Anyway, we're totally. getting way off topic here. <laughs> so yeah, okay, not my favorite episode, but you know, I, I like you said, these seasons have lots of episodes, they, lots of content they need to get out there. Uh, you're going to get some filler. Yeah. Um, and the last two episodes before this, I thought were really strong. So so mm-hmm. you know, it, it makes sense that they they couldn't all be couldn't all be gems. Yeah, I think this definitely falls into the filler category. One of the okay filler episodes, but I would have been fine if we just had. The entire plot be around Jakar and Toth and leave off the the Catherine Sinclair romance. Uh, yeah, myself. Yeah, so agreed. Catherine Sinclair romance not 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 so well done. So I'm gonna guess that your favorite character this episode was Londo. <laughs> I mean, it's almost not even fair. Like you know, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe going with Londo every time is boring. Jakar, I thought. You know, I I enjoyed the scenes with Jakar in them. They, mm-hmm. you know, I really did. So I'm gonna give Jakar his. I'm gonna say this was his episode. Okay. You know, with with an honorary mention for his assistant. You know what? Yes. I'm gonna change that. His assistant, I think, was my favorite character. <laughs> uh, his singing scene where he's singing and cooking that was one of the best. Mm-hmm. But her being just a cold ass mf, <laughs> like like, man, she was cold as ice. She was like you know the wolf out of uh out of uh, pulp fiction or something or you know mm-hmm. just just like she handled herself man she was unfazed yeah an assassin's guild was here to murder her master and like clearly wouldn't have hesitated to, to kill her if it came to it and she was just like cracking rye jokes and uh, you know not didn't give a single didn't give, didn't give a fuck so yeah i i think uh, i don't i don't remember her name but but yeah. Jakar's Natoth. assistant, yeah. Natoth. Natoth was my favorite character. Yeah, sounds good. Well, I think that covers it for today's episode. So we'll go and wrap up now an hour 15 into this recording, which is oh about God. 30 minutes longer than the episode itself was. But that's I okay. Know. It's, it's shameful, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, so Eric, you're going to have to... Eric does all the editing, dear listeners, if you hadn't gathered. I just show up and talk. That's why I sound smarter, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah so anything anytime i sound dumb it's because eric edited me to sound that way i'm editing that um, out by the way but yeah i don't know i don't know if people want to listen to uh, our commentary about the episode for twice as long as the actual air <laughs> so yeah hopefully eric's editing can uh, yeah. cut out some of our filler leave it only with the killer yep there you go And on that note, we'll wrap up for this evening. We'll wish you all a happy Hanukkah to those celebrating. This will probably be coming out two or three weeks after Hanukkah, but yeah, there you go. And with that, uh, a good eating to you all. Good eating to you.